as we get started, here's a discussion question for us all. What were some of the jobs you've had in the past or have currently? What are some of the jobs you've had before? I've had a lot of jobs. You've had a lot of jobs? A lot, yeah. yeah. Well, you were in the military. What did you do in the I military? Was, well, I started in telecommunications and enlisted. And then later, once I got my bachelor's degree, I was then commissioned to become a, to work in intelligence applications, mm -hmm. and then later contracts and education mm -hmm. technology. And you and you and, and Paul, Paul did that he together was Marine, for a long time? Marine Corps. No, oh, Marine Corps. Okay. okay. Air Force, him Marine Corps. And he worked a variety wow. of jobs. Wow, Romeo as well. and Juliet. <laughs> well, <laughs> the Montagues and the yeah. Capulets. Capulets. Thank you. Yeah. It's okay. I was star, star, star-crossed mm -hmm. lovers. Never meant yeah. to be. So a lot of administration type jobs for me. Mm -hmm. Well, and in addition, you're a wife and a mom. Oh, I wasn't a mom. A mom work. to a dog, but not <laughs> 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 and parakeets, but not. Has plenty of work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then the Marine wife. And the Marine wife? Yeah. So did you continue to work in the, you said Air Force, right? Uh -huh. You continued to work in the Air Force while he was in the Marines? Correct. But I wow. then went, um, just before I met him, after my eight years of active duty, I went reserve. Okay. So yeah. that was one week in a month. Mm -hmm. And so I was fortunate enough to have the assignments close by his active duty places. Oh, that's very yeah. kind. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? Jobs you've had in the past? Dylan, you said you've had a lot? I've had a lot. Done a lot? I've been an over-the-road truck driver. I was a deputy sheriff for seven years. Oh, wow. Um, right now I'm a truck driver slash mechanic slash whatever they need to do. <laughs> <laughs> slash deputy, you know. <laughs> no, 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 okay. No, no more than that. Okay. I've worked as an apprentice carpet installer. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So, and a, I'm, I'm a jack of all trades. Ah, I feel you there. Nice. Mm -hmm. Master of none. <laughs> I feel you there. My best job was I was a chimney sweep. Really? Yeah. Whoa. For a couple of years, but I took a break in the summertime and went to Camp Perkins. Oh, okay. In the council. So that was in yeah. a ski area. I worked at, as the chimney sweep just because my neighbor was a chimney sweep mm -hmm. and I was waiting for a job in the ski season so he goes I can use you and then I ended up just doing work with him because yeah it's fun but as a chimney sweep dirty dirty yeah I bet did you sing and dance on rooftops I actually did <laughs> there were people there were people who would scream up and go Throw me a kiss. I need some good luck. <laughs> uh, it was some of the most bizarre things. <laughs> that people just, and it was almost all from um, uh, Mary, Poppins. Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. Yeah. Mary, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we, but we dressed like German chimney sweeps. So we had a top hat, and he got. Oh my He God. would get old tails from secondhand stores. Yeah. So we would wear tails and top hat, and that tail. I mean, you really? the reason those are good is because they're black. Yeah. And creosote is black. So, I mean, they smelled like creosote. And so yeah. we actually wore them. It just kind of kept everything else from getting dirty. Wow. And then people thought it was funny. But you played right into it, right into yeah, the, hey, that's, the theme. That's huh? why I kept working there, because the boss was so fun. I mean, he yeah. had so much fun with it. It was like, okay. And the top hats, you know, like anything yeah. falls on your head, it keeps it out of your eyes? Well, yeah, yeah. you didn't wear them when you are in the No. Oh, no. You were okay. cleaning the fireplace. You had to take that off. Okay. Wow. On the rooftop, that's where people like to see it. All right. Wow. You did a full career? Not yet. Chimney no. sweeping? 
No, just a couple. couple that was, I was, and then he offered me, I could put you up in business, and then I found out that um, chimney sweeps were the first people known to have cancer. <laughs> so I kind of said that's probably Yeah, but, one. yeah. <laughs> Even though nowadays, you know, he's, he kept saying, oh, yeah, but now we wash. They didn't take shower. They didn't wash ever. They're, don't they, they probably get black lung disease. No, it was, it's in your blood. It goes hmm. in your blood. Oh, it does. Okay. It wasn't ever lung at all. And oh. that's what everybody else thought. Yeah, oh, that's what? interesting. No, it soaks into your pores. pores and goes through your blood. Huh. Oh, wow. That's the worst. <laughs> so that was why I said, <laughs> yeah. but you're making lots of money, but I don't know how long you're going to enjoy it. So I exactly, I, yeah. I'll do something else. Feel like you've had your ride. Yep. Then you got into teaching. Then, yeah, well, I went to camp and God said, you know, I think this is the best thing for you to do with your life. Yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, he did, I wish he would have said it to me. It took me about five years to figure that out. But. Oh, yeah, I feel you. <laughs> with you. Yeah. It's kind of neat when you have jobs, like especially when you're younger. Like it's neat to have them for a season. They were fun and kind of leave on a high note. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like yeah. that. Circus was the same for me after I did it for seven years. I'm like, <laughs> you know, this is fun. We were going to do like a, I was, I was scheduled to be on like a sailing ship that sailed Lake Michigan. And had, you had to go to sailing training. Everyone had to have sailing training to do this. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, there's only one weekend I'm not available. And, and I'll do it. And they're like, oh, okay, well, it's the weekend of the third and the fourth. Oh, no, the fourth and the fifth. And I'm like, that's the only weekend I can't do because I'm getting married on May 4th. <laughs> oh. And they're like, well, if you can't do this, then you can't do it. And I'm like, I think I'm done. Just like, I, it, was, it was one of those, like, it, it was something that culminated all together. I'm yeah. like, you know, I think, I think being away for weeks at a time and weekends, you know, in a circus doesn't sound healthy for my marriage if I have to make hard choices like this. So retired from that, and that was the end of it. But, you know, went out on a high note. It wasn't like, you know, I was right. scraping for cash and I had to quit. It was like, no, this is a good time to transition. Dance is the same way. It's just a good time to transition. But you kind of look back and so hopefully fondly, some of those. I've had those jobs, though, where you leave and you're just like, that was brutal. <laughs> <laughs> Have you had those where it's like, oh, man, it, I had to get out of there because it was whether toxic or it was whatever. That was my, my one summer as a stock boy at a grocery store. I'm like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> well, eventually, I only worked weekends and one night a week doing stock. And since it was for a certain company, they're like, oh, yeah, after 90 days, you have to join our union. And you have to pay union dues. So we're right up to that 90-day mark. And I look at my check, and I'm like, hold on. If you take union dues out of this, I'm making $10 a week. <laughs> and they're like... Yeah, or, or paycheck, because it, like, it was like 35 a week. And for I'm like, union dues? For union dues. And I'm like, and that was like my, and like as they handed me my check, I'm like, oh, by the way, I'm leaving. This is my last day. And they're yeah. like, oh, why? And I'm like, I can't afford the union dues. I'm like, I can't work here for $10 a week. That's, you know, that's it was, outrageous. It was, it, it was outrageous. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. So then I, then I worked at Starbucks, and life was, I was there for a long time. And they, they helped me through college and everything, and life was very good. So it was a good move, but, man, but I was picking up, yeah, it was huge, yeah. but it was cool, like, you know, you almost work out when you're a stock boy at a grocery store, <laughs> so like, yeah, you know, 24 cases of beer, yeah, like, oh, you know, yeah. put them in the fridge, it was all good. Yeah, oh, you you should have been lifting the 80-pound chairs over your head in office, man. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. 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 Put them up on the racks, oh, yeah, or carry them up the stairs, <laughs> and then put them on the shelving over your head. Oh. <clears throat> that was fun. You decided that horses weighed less? 
no. And dogs. Um, I decided I could move out from underneath the feet or from away from the kicking leg of the horse faster than I could from a box falling from Ooh. arm length away from me. Yep, fair. <laughs> Well, I'm, very, very I'm sure known some people got kicked by horses. That's that's not something. No, I, that's something <laughs> yeah. you mess with. Yeah. Well, when I was a senior, a classmate's dad, who was a veterinarian, got kicked in the head. Oh. oh. Lord, and yeah, so was in the hospital for a period of time. Yeah. As far as I know, he made a recovery from it. Good. So, good. Yeah. yeah they are it's dangerous. dangerous. Well, did you ever hear like Abraham Lincoln? Apparently, that's like the rumor or like the wise tale that he was. Kicking the head by a horse. It's when you see like photographs of him, like one half of his head's kind of shaped like this. <laughs> yeah, caved in. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't, su wouldn't surprise me. Well, I'm, I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me one bit. His one horsepower vehicle probably kicked him in the head once. I bring this up to you because we're talking a little bit about vocation. As we get started into this section of scripture, it's funny. Paul takes a little interlude here. As we kind of started last week, he's saying, Now concerning the matters to which you wrote, and he's answering questions here as he moved off of the sexual morality in chapter 6 and then starts talking about sexual morality again, he now takes a little interlude and in just this section and says, Live as you are called. And I've put up a couple of verses for you over here from Martin Luther, uh, a couple quotes, and mostly because like the idea of vocation, it's a very Lutheran idea. It, I don't want to say we originated it, but we certainly embrace it very well. He would say, like, you know, the, the man who puts ribbon in a ship, is doing God's work. If you take a look at, at this quote over here, every occupation has its own honor before God. Ordinary work is a divine vocation or calling. In our daily work, no matter how important or how mundane, we serve God by serving the neighbor, and we also participate in God's ongoing providence for the human race. We have this unique perspective, a kind of gifted perspective as, as Lutherans. Wherever you are, God has placed you there to do his work. A riveter putting rivets in a ship. Or his second quote over here, being a little cheeky. God himself will milk the cows through him whose vocation that is. You may often feel like you're doing something, whether it's a job. And God will also be the one that kind of inspires you, Holy Spirit-wise. Like, it's time to move on. To give you that right moment of, hey, you know what? It's either keep going um, and miss your wedding because you had to go to sailing training or, or quit. And I'm like, all right, Lord, that's, that's your, that's your very clear cut sign for me that this is done. <laughs> you know, Ross had that moment in, in Camp Perkins, like, you know what? I think, I think being a chimney sweep is done. It was when he had to do the tap dance lessons as a chimney sweep. He's like, you know, <laughs> no, <laughs> maybe my time here it's is so done. Nice yeah. <laughs> is this is this similar to last week where they were talking about um, because a lot of these uh, couples or at least one of the, of the uh, spouses was coming into Christianity mm -hmm. to stay married to be that representation in the household is this now being the representation to the world at large? So it's, it, this is a very similar thread, and you'll see it kind of in Paul's first part over here. What I bring this up to you because then. I think it's at near the end I'll talk about the freedom of a Christian. Martin Luther gets that from this section of Corinthians. He's like, okay, you're, you're a Christian wherever you are, wherever you're called, not just in church on Sundays. And, you know, we say that now, and it's like, ha-ha. But here we are with, with Corinthians that are brand new Christians saying, well, are we only Christians on Sundays? Or are we only Christians when we worship? Or is, is there an in-between? And we, we've addressed this a lot. There's like the red, green, and yellow light. Um, that Paul's talking about. Adi offers that part in the yellow. And a lot of times, as he's talking about, solutions are found in the middle. The previous part of this chapter, we talk about two peoples of extremes. 
saying, I have freedom in Christ, I can do whatever I want, right? So prostitution's no problem. And then you have this other side that says, hold on, we are now members of Christ, therefore we must remain pure, and we must be abstinent, and we can't even, a man should not even touch a woman, as it can be translated. It's like, okay, Paul's like, we got to meet somewhere over here. And he kind of fills it with a lot of examples, and then continues saying, you know, even in your job, wherever you are, as he says in this first verse, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him to which God has called him. And you go through it many times. He'll say it again. Uh, each one should remain in the condition. That's verse 20. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. And guess what? He says it again. You were bought with the price. Do not become slaves. So, brothers, in whatever condition each one was called, let him remain with God. It's like, okay, this is hit on, this idea in just a small amount of verses is hit on three times. This idea of vocation. Where God has called you to be, you can serve God in that job. Now we say job as like, hey, what jobs did you have? You used to be a police deputy, okay, or, or sheriff's deputy. You used to be in the circus. You used to work at Starbucks. That was a job. Okay, vocation, Luther kind of defines it a bit more clearly here. Work is no longer simply a job or occupation. It is a calling a vocation. It is a summons from God. Vocation is also where the Spirit sanctifies the Christian's life. Not in a self-centered quest for perfection, but rather in humble service to the neighbor. So Paul's saying again here, wherever you are, in whatever you're doing, you can serve God. Now, that's an extreme. If you want to take it and talk in absolutes, I don't think you'd be like, you know, as a, as a prostitute, you could certainly be doing uh, a, as a vocation fulfilling God's word for you. Okay, Paul, like, no, we can't. Like, I get that. And there's certain extremes of careers like that. But we're talking in this time, and in this instance, people are like, okay, I'm a Christian now. Do, I, do we need to leave? And that's when he's talking about circumcision in like the next upcoming verses. Do I need to change completely who I am? Oh, here are two quotes. I'll get to those in a second. But Paul's saying, do I, need to change complete, do I need to change completely who I am, Paul? If I used to be Jewish, should I no longer... Um, talk to my family or keep some of my cultural practice or be Jewish at all as like an ethnic background rather than a religion or um, as a brand new Gentile, well, hold on, do I need to be circumcised? Do I need to be Jewish? Do I need to change who I am? And Paul's saying God has called you to be where you are. Here's some more quotes on vocation. The first one, I don't know why it's in all caps. I guess it's really important. Embrace with contentment God's sovereign providential dispensation of your outward circumstances as you focus on serving Christ to the max. So embrace with contentment God's uh, sovereign providential dispensation of your outward circumstances. A very, a very, very intelligent way. Right? Dare I say it? In a, I say this as a compliment, a very Aaron, Hay, Aaron Hayes way of saying, like, hey, like, embrace where you are and where you're at and the circumstance that you're in. It's like, okay, well, God, you've brought me here to do something. God, I'm here in this moment for a reason. God, you brought this person before me for something. Allow me to, instead of saying, my job sucks, my man, I can't stand this person at work, man, I just got to get out of here, I just got this place is so toxic, you know, if you're in the military, I just got to get my time done. So I can get my pension and I can get out of here. Not that anyone would think that, but that's just, <laughs> it's just an idea of like, instead of embracing the circumstance that you're now in, we oftentimes, and you see it, especially, you know, if you've ever had someone vent to you, we often have an abrasive pushing back of culture around, not just culture around us, but of our jobs and responsibilities and things that we feel are pushed on us. I love this quote, Piper says, 
He is saying that in the gospel, there is an antidote for despair in menial jobs and an antidote for pride in highly esteemed jobs. How about them apples, huh? Yeah. It's, you know, we, we talk about death being the great equalizer. Have you ever heard that quote? Right? Everyone dies. So it doesn't matter where you were on, like, the pay scale mm-hmm. or anything like that. This is the gospel way of saying it. Like, it, the great equalizer is it doesn't matter if you feel like your job's menial. Paul will talk about slaves as we get into this. It doesn't matter if you're a slave. and It doesn't matter if you're a high-ranking official in Roman government. The equalizer is we're all called to serve God in a vocation, wherever <coughs> we've been placed. There's an expression that... Um, I think I have it on the next page, so let me just turn it. Do you, where did, which Piper, was that a book, or? It was Peeper, I think Dogmatics. Oh, yeah, I think I wrote that wrong. Yeah, uh, Peeper's Dogmatics. So, wait, and it's in either volume one, two, or three. Wow, <laughs> that much dogma out there. Huh? There's a lot, there's a lot. So, and then there's a fourth book that's the index for all three other books. Um, as, as we get into this a bit, what was... Oh, the, the phrase, um, like a cultural embracing of this idea is, have you ever heard, ever heard bloom where you're planted? Yeah. Have you ever heard of that phrase before? Mm-hmm. That's very much the, the similar idea of what's going on. It's like, hey, there's, there's a point where there's a seed, and that seed is, seeds are dead. They're not dead, dead, but they are not functioning. You can't hold it to your ear and hear a heartbeat. You can't, you can't feel it breathing if you hold it in your hands. They sit in a packet. And they could sit on shelves for however long. Tulip bulbs could sit there for what? Like years, right? Mm-hmm. Until something happens and you plant it in the ground and you pour water on it, something's going to change where all of a sudden, once it was dead, once it was, was sleeping, all of a sudden has life. Okay, well, bloom where you're planted. Right in that stage, it's the wrong time to start digging it out of the ground and put it somewhere else. Well, maybe it'll grow a little bit, but then you'll dig it out of the ground and put it somewhere else. The more you keep digging stuff out of the ground and moving it somewhere else, the less it'll grow, and the less benefit it can, it can kind of have to its surroundings. So let's read uh, verses 17 through 19, and we'll talk about this. In fact, if uh, someone over here can look up Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 6 for me, and if someone over here can get James chapter 2, uh, starting at verse 14 for me. And I'll, um, oh no, Gina wants to read. I do. You do. She's 17? got it. Fingers okay. underneath it. She can read 17 <laughs> through 19 for me. All right. Nevertheless, each one should retain the place in life that the Lord assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is the rule I laid down in all the churches. Was a man already circumcised when he was called? He should not become uncircumcised. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you about how that, what he means by that in a second. Was a man uncircumcised when he was called? He should not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's command is where what counts. Great, thank you very much. So as we get into this, that uh, first verse over here, 17, only let each person lead the life the Lord has. It could say assigned, it could say called over there, but that word assigned or called is kind of the same thing. It's that word kaleo right over here, and that means called. But what it more so means is summoned to. Like, you have been summoned to fulfill this task. It's a lot more than like, I just feel like the Lord had opened a window and I got to walk out and now here I am. It's a lot less of that spiritual Mm -hmm. affirmation. Oftentimes you get two paths you can go. Which one is God calling me to? Oftentimes God says, I'll bless whichever one you go on. Just start walking. Mm -hmm. Um, We're called to (laughs) 
you know, we're called to lead the life that the Lord has called us to, right? And to which God has called him. This is my rule for all churches, right? So what has God called us to do? Well, he's called us to keep his commandments, meaning for the sake of our neighbor. Circumcision. Uh, this is really interesting. It, it's, it's more interesting and a lot less like, wow, this is going to affect your salvation over here. But uh, when he talks about circumcision and uncircumcision, we're going to get to that Galatians part in just a second. So I wrote sporting events in Greece. So what would happen is if, uh, if Jewish or the Israelites, the Jewish people would participate in like the, the Greek or Athens game, you know, it could be the Olympic Games, it could be the Ismith Games, right? Any of these games and these sporting events they have, I don't know if you knew this, the Greeks competed naked. So all their events, right? You want to go for a marathon? It's gonna, you're, you're naked. You're, you're gonna go. You're gonna do some wrestling with another guy. Guess what? You're oiled up and naked, right? So they competed naked. So they knew if you were Jewish or if you were Greek, just by looking at you. So that's why it's saying, you know, don't be uncir- don't um, don't seek uncircumcision. You went, oh, how did that happen, <laughs> right? Well, oftentimes, so it, the Jewish people would go into these games and they would put on something to, to sheath it or cover it up so they maybe look like they could be Greek and they wouldn't be treated differently in these games. And Paul's saying, hey, if you came as a Jewish person, right, if you came as a Jew to Christianity, don't cover that up. Don't seek circumcision. Don't seek a way to, like, kind of push back your, your cultural heritage and, and being the people of God and all the Old Testament and, and the per- like all the things that made you to who you are. You don't need to lose it all. Oftentimes, um, we focus a lot, and that, not that this is untrue, but you have to realize every metaphor that God has, he has another metaphor that always goes alongside of it, right? You know, Christ makes all things new. Okay, yes, absolutely, he makes all things new. But he also takes what was, right? What was dead and now makes it alive. Did he take the entire human being, throw it in the trash can, put you through a shredder, and now just out of those parts rebuild you? Well, no. He took what was dead and now made it alive. So there's a, the old you is still there. But the old sinful self is what we're talking about as, as being dead. Pastor Dinger did a great job in his sermon today saying, um, I want that to be what pushes the other gods out of me so the love of God can grow within me. You know, those, those old things are pushed away. You're still the same person. You're still the same shell. It's not like that day you're baptized, all of a sudden you're not going to like cheeseburgers anymore. You know, it's not that you're all of a sudden not going to like to eat bacon. It's not that you're not going to be... You know, an all-star baseball player. It's like... He, he, he buys an old house and he flips it and turns it into something. There you go, yeah. Flip or flop. He never flops. God never flops. Sometimes it takes a lot more work to flip it. But the cost is nothing to him. That's kind of the very similar idea. Um, can you read Galatians 5, verses 1 through 6 for me? Whoever had it over here. Yeah. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage. Mm-hmm. I testify again, every man who accepts circumcision, that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. 
There we are. Faith working through love, which is God's commandment, is it not? Right? Love one, uh, love one another as, or treat others the way you want to be treated is one way to phrase that. But love one another as God has loved you, right? A new commandment I give to you, right? Faith working through love is keeping the commandments of God. Circumcision or not circumcision, that doesn't matter anymore. And as you go back to it, if people were seeking circumcision, why would they? Um, if you've ever heard of the idea of like baptism as fire insurance, have you ever heard that before? Where people will say, well, you know, in case I die, I don't have, really have faith in God, but I think I'm going to get baptized anyway, just in case. Mm-hmm. That's the idea of baptism as fire insurance. Um, in the same case here, people would say, well, hold on. If, if the Israelites were God's chosen people, just in case, I think I'll get circumcised anyway. <laughs> just in case. Or if you've seen people, like, I, I remember, gosh, what movie was it? Brendan Fraser and the Mummy. From like '99 or something like that. Oh yeah. Yes. And and there's one guy in the movie, and he he wears a necklace that has every religious symbol you could think of on it. And as this mummy's coming to like eat his brains and, and change him and send all these scarabs at him, he he he's like going backwards. And every time he takes out a symbol and he says a prayer, and it doesn't drive the monster away, so then he jiggles it around. And he gets another symbol and he takes a cross and does it. Nothing happens. He gets a star of David. Nothing happens. And he gets. You know, moon of Islam, nothing happens. And he goes like this, and he keeps saying all these prayers in different languages for different things to see, are any of these going to work? And Paul's saying, you shouldn't make circumcision your, your fire insurance, because if you... If you yeah. grab the star of David, that's what stops him, because the, the mummy says the language of the slaves. Yes, he's, that's exactly it. So he recognizes the Hebrew language. <laughs> and as... Um, so I know, that went on a tangent. But as back to this... <laughs> Right? This isn't fire insurance. He says, if you want to embrace the practice of circumcision, you are setting yourself apart from Christ because now you're under the law. So if you want to go that way, good luck. It hasn't worked in the thousands of years other people have tried it. But if you want to embrace the practice of circumcision, that's what you do. And I put up uh, two names over here. Timothy, uh, Eunice is his mom, and Titus. So the idea of circumcision. So you see Paul kind of go back and forth on this for a very important reason. Timothy, who is has a Jewish mother who now then becomes a Christian and then a, a Gentile dad. You don't really hear much about him at all, but he's a Greek. And in this case, Paul says, oh yeah, Timothy, we're going to circumcise you. Why? Because then you can be a better and a more effective missionary to the Jews. Kind of having both sides of it. But then Titus, he says, no, we're not going to circumcise you. Why? Because you're, both your parents are Gentile and Greek. So you're a Greek, so now you would be a great missionary to the Greek. Paul doesn't say, Timothy, we're going to circumcise you because you have to fulfill the law of, of the Old Testament. He's saying, no, we'll circumcise you so you're a more effective missionary. I think I'll probably deny any call that says, hey, you know, <laughs> if so you want to be an effective missionary, you've got to do this. Paul is basically using a prosthetic for an athlete so they have a different level of acceptance and respect just like they do during the games. Similar, similar to that, yeah. Well, they're saying don't it, use the prosthetic in the right. games. Don't, they're saying yeah. don't there, but what Paul's doing with Timothy is basically we're going to do this so that you're more accepted by the yes. Jews. Yes, so like the opposite of what, what this is saying, but in, but in the godly way. Right. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yep, absolutely. And that's the idea of bloom where you're planted. Timothy, you're, you're planted in a community that you can be an effective missionary for fellow Jews or fellow people of Jewish heritage because of your mom. 
And Tim, Titus, you are going to be more effective in this way. So bloom where you're planted. Don't try and transplant yourself. You know, Titus, you're not going to be Timothy, and Timothy, you're just not going to be Titus. You're just two different people. And then uh, let's go to James chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. The heading is faith and deeds. Mm-hmm. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a rather famous section, right? that we read here, and it's quoted oftentimes out of context in a negative way, saying faith without works is dead. Therefore, if you don't do good things, then you can't be saved. Yeah. So as we get into this, what is the one thing that counts? We have that in verse 19. And what are those? So verse 19 over here, to relate to that was, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but Keeping the commandments of God. You go, all right, keeping the commandments of God is the one thing that matters. Therefore, if I keep the commandments of God, which are my good works, then I'm saved, right? Oh, you you did the equation backwards, is the idea there. What is keeping the commandments of God? Love one another as I've loved you. Yep. Go out. And continue to preach, teach, and baptize all the things I've, that I've taught to you and teach others about me. <clears throat> right? For behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Yeah. Well, it's the, the first one is, is actually, it doesn't seem like it, but it's the hardest. Uh, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Mark 12, chapter, uh, Mark chapter 12, 30 and 31. I know and, it very well. And, uh, you heart, know, soul, mind, and body, and love your neighbor right, as yourself. If, mm-hmm. if you just do that first commandment, you'll do the rest. But it's very, it's, it's harder than people think. Well, it's, it's that matter of priority. We, we, you know, the English language is the only language that ever took the word priority and made it a plural. Really? Yes. That we feel like the word priority means prior to anything else you do. Right. How can you have multiple things that you do prior to everything else that you do? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And we're the only, American English is the only language that has ever took it and made it a plural. That somehow you can have priorities. Things that you do before you do anything else. But then what's your, right. what's your number one priority? Then all of a sudden, well, isn't everything else just what's after that then? <laughs> So, there's one prior thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because he loves you the same way. You know, it's, it's actually when you take the Ten Commandments, when you look at them in, in, in Hebrew, they're called the Ten Words. Because the first one's not a commandment. It's not, you shall not have any other gods before, before me. It says, the commandment is, or the word is, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Israel. That's it. The word is, I will be your Lord and your God. Mm-hmm. Not, you shall not have any other gods before me. Like, we took it and we kind of flipped it a little bit. It, it, yes, in, in the same way, they're kind of two halves of the same coin. Because of that, he's the Lord your God. There should, no, there should be no other gods before you. Some people need to hear it in the negative to understand it in the positive. 
So I can get it, but it's actually called the Ten Words. And that's the first word, because it's his covenant to us. I will be your God, and you will be my people. Well, what else? That's, that's it. But he didn't tell me not to do anything. Well, there are some knots that go with it on the other side. Well, we understand that incorrectly. So, that, but then we have James chapter 2, right? Your faith without works is dead. Okay, well, if, if your faith without works is dead, then what kind of faith is it that saves you? So consider this for a moment. Did Satan and demons have faith? In, in Christ and God? Yes. What kind? They acknowledge his existence. They acknowledge his existence. I know that you're God, and I know that you're Jesus who has come to banish me. And they, and they know his power because of the fact that there are times when they ask him to, to not. So, um, yep. So why aren't they saved? They didn't submit. To what? To him as Lord. To him as Lord, meaning, meaning as their boss, as the one who they had to obey. So if we're, he was, that he, was that yeah. he would take care of them. They wanted to switch positions with. Him. And they didn't have. You would say their their faith was one of knowledge, not one of practice, right? So that's kind of what Ross is saying. They didn't do the things that God would say to do. What is Jesus telling us to do? Love God and love others. It's like that's when Paul says, "Hey." If you love God and love others, you're going to get this tree, and this tree is going to bear fruit. And the fruit of this tree is going to be love, joy, patience, kindness, gentleness, humility, right? All these different fruits that we talked about a couple weeks ago will come from this tree. So it's like James is saying faith without works is dead. What he's saying is it's the kind of faith we're talking about. If you have a tree of faith and there's no fruit on it, you got a problem because it might be dead. Dead trees don't make any fruit. Yet in the same time, we're talking about a God who makes dead things alive again. As we were talking about seeds, when seeds are planted and things like that, or things get replanted on that. The way I equivocate this section over here is uh, like a heart rate monitor, or like a, a monitor if you've ever been in a hospital, right? And you see that. They got all these things. How do you know, what, what do all these little wiggly things mean? It's your rhythm, heart rhythm. Heart rhythm. How, make it way more basic for me, Steph. It's happening. Make it even more basic. <laughs> You're alive! <laughs> Wiggly things are good. What happens when they're all straight? Oh, it's bad, right? That means you're dead. That means either you're dead, forever dead, or someone's got to come shock you and bring you back, bring all these things back into beating. Right? I don't know if these numbers are good. This is a Google image, Deb. Don't judge me. Okay. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if this guy's healthy or not. 60, he's resting. That's a resting heart rate. That's uh, good. That looks okay, but yeah. when the, rhythm, the rhythms can be all weird and then you're in trouble. Yep. So I, I tell you all that because like a heart rate monitor, right, the, the works of which you do that come from your faith in Christ, <laughs> these commandments that Paul's talking about that are so important, you know, seeing the fruits of your faith is a lot like... Well, is my tree bearing fruit? All right. My faith looks good. God, you know, I, I, my belief in God is good. I love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love my neighbor as myself. Okay, I got my heart rate monitor. That's good. Well, hold on. What do you mean? I have great faith in Jesus. I know all these things. You want to do Bible Jeopardy? I've got you. Had. Okay, well, let's take, a work, let's take a look at the works of your faith. What has come from your faith? Hey, man, I see a lot of straight lines. Ooh. It's a little tough. 
I don't love others very well, but I could I could tell you what Jesus's blood type was. <laughs> you know, like a weird bi- a weird awkward Bible question or a random Bible trivia knowledge. It's like, okay, I could give you that, but I can't tell you very well how, how I love others as myself. So that's what Paul's getting at here. That's the importance of keeping those commandments. Don't time don't time check me over there. Sorry. I no, it's fine. <laughs> I time you saw me look first. You're like, Pastor Chris, this is only seven verses. We'll get through this, no problem. (laughs) Verse 20. I'll read this for you. (coughs) Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a slave when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a slave is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise... He who was free, when called, is a slave of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. So brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. And that means for be content with where you are. Be right? content. But if something changes, it's not bad either. But it's exactly. to change. Let me paint you a picture of what's going on over here. So the pictures of slave. this is a picture of slaves and freedom. Here is the picture in Paul's mind. In the ancient world, it was possible for a slave at great effort to purchase his own freedom. In the little spare time they had, they would take odd jobs to earn some money, however little. His master had a right to claim commission on even these poor earnings. But the slave would then take everything they made and deposit it at a temple of some god. When, likely seven or several years later... He had a complete purchase price laid up in the temple. He would take his master there, and the priest would then hand over the money. And then, symbolically, the slave became the property of the god, and therefore free from all human bondage. That's what Paul is thinking of. Christians have been purchased by Christ, and therefore, no matter what their human status may be, they are free of all slavery to others because they are the property of Christ. That, and I read that story, I'm like, oh, like, I get that. And you see that, especially in verse 20, he gets back to that again. Um, each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. You rewind that back in the chapter 7 when he's talking about marriages and stuff. You're like, oh, I get it. Are, did you come married to an unbeliever? Stay as you are if they want to be with you. Hey, did you come married, uh, or, or vice versa, or your children unbelieving? Well, stay as you are, because you could be a witness to them. If things change... Right? If the unbeliever wishes to leave you, let it be so. That's what he says in early in chapter 7. He says the same thing here. Just like Ross pointed out, hey, if your condition changes and you could happen to be free from being a slave, you should. Take advantage of that. But still be content with where you are. Realize God has placed you there for a reason. You have a vocation serving, even in that circumstance. Even as poor circumstances they may look or be. Uh... Let me show you. I think I put this up here. Uh, Luther's, this is the last thing we'll hit. Luther's Freedom of a Christian. This is in 1520. A Christian is perfectly free, Lord of all, subject to none. And a Christian is perfectly dutiful, servant of all, and subject to all. So do you get that tension? Lutherans love tension. And this is one of those moments of, like, when we're talking about these two people groups that he has over here, the major celibates and the people who say, I'm, I'm free from everything. Luther's taking both of those like Paul is, and he's trying to pull on them like he's got tension with rubber bands. Yes, it's true. Christ has freed you from all things. 
So you are free of all, especially free Lord of all, subject to none. If anyone tells you, like, hey, I'm your God, I'm the one that controls you, you say, no, I belong to Jesus. Then the other one, does that mean you're so free that it's like, oh, it doesn't matter what I do? That's these people over here. Luther's saying, no, you are a dutiful subject and servant to all people because you're called to love others as Christ loved you. And the way Christ loved us was as a servant, came and served us, washed our feet, healed us, gave himself for us. You're called to love others that same way. So yeah, you're free from sin, death, power, and the devil, yet you're called to serve at the same time. And you get that. And then there's the last part of this verse over here. Slave and free belong equally to the Redeemer. Slaves and men in Christ. I could read that out loud for you, but I won't. The last part's really neat over here. The Lord transforms believers from our previous existence and makes us all members of his household. We now live out the new life in the station to which God has appointed us. And you take all that and bring it all together, and what has he appointed us to be? Messengers. His messengers, the hands and feet of Christ. So that's that section there. And look at that, with a minute to spare. We'll leave it there. Let me close with prayer, and then we'll take any questions after that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to study your word and just to learn from you, especially this letter um, in which we read in, in Corinthians by Paul. And Lord, we, we have times in life where we can feel discontent in the things that we're doing or we feel thrilled in the things that we're doing, yet they don't seem to be leading to you or others to you. Lord, in all that we do, whether it's uh, scooping ice cream or it's being president of the United States and anywhere and everything in between, we ask you to just encourage us in those vocations, those circumstances in which you've blessed us and put us to be that we could be a blessing to others, serving you, showing your love, as we are told, and Jesus says, we will show that we are Christians and disciples of Christ by our love. So Lord, help us to not just love others, but put us in an instance where that calling, that vocation can lead others to you. We thank you for this opportunity and pray it all in your name and all God's people said, amen. amen. If you have any questions or comments, email them to podcast at gracepocatello.org and make sure to subscribe to our channel to stay up to date on sermons and classes at Grace Lutheran Church in Pocatello, Idaho. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go.